Hello, everybody. How are you? Welcome to the Dear Maddie Show. This is Matt. Hope your week's going good. It is beautiful in California, and it is not beautiful in the East Coast right now. So, sugars, I hope you are doing well with all of that snow, Lord. A lot of board games, I hope. So, on this episode, we're talking about, well, you know, my inclination is to say that we're talking about politics. But, I mean, we are, but we're really talking about not so much of what uh, more of a uh, from right, from left conservative about politics. It's more about a conversation about how we deal with politicalness in your life and how you make sense of the confusion and how you make sense of just the negativity surrounded by that. So, and I hope that this episode can give some of you some peace around that if you feel like you just still are very stressed about um, everything going on in politics. The host is with Jen Briney, who's the host of congressionaldish.com. Again, that's congressionaldish.com. The notes are in the website or on the show notes. She basically, she's just like a really freaking reasonable person who was really interested in the bills and that our Congress and that the House of Representatives and the Senate that they are passing and writing and proposing in Congress. And she really believes very fervently, fervently, vehemently, nah, I'm not that, I'm not as smart as Jen Browning, but she re- passionately believes that, um, which is, I agree with that Congress is definitely as a people is supposed to be the people's part of government that we really can control. And so she, if you don't want to sit and read all of the bills, yourselves and figure out what they mean she does that for you and so that's what i i love her show it's not like a 30 minute show like she digs deep it's like an hour two hour show she just has this if you want to go to her website you can if you're interested in what's going on with the repeal and replace with what the uh, medicare with uh, what's going on with health insurance in our country she just put out that episode and it's I've listened to like half of it, and I'm like, holy shit, she is way smarter than me. Anyway, but again, it's a very nonpartisan way of breaking this down. So, but and also too, she's kind of a badass, and she's funny. So she talks about this in an interesting way that's not going to pull you over to sleep. Not like the time that I thought it'd be a good idea to download Lord of the Rings on audiobook. Literally, I don't know why I did this. I love Lord of the Rings. I love the movies. I read the books. And I was like, oh, I'm going to listen to the audiobook, and literally it was like. Bilbo Baggins walked to town the Shire. I almost fell off the road in my car. It made me very tired. Anyway, okay. Congressional Dish and Jim Briney will not do that to you. Hope you enjoy. Let me know this is a little bit of a different format from Dramatic because I just feel like I feel a lot of political existential angst. And I feel so many other people. No, I not feel. I know so many other people out there listening to this show or just in my social media feeds, I, I see, I see and hear that you're experiencing this angst too on both sides. People that are disgusted with Trump and people that are, you know, disgusted with the people that are disgusted with Trump. So if you're either one of these, this really is, I feel like, a very nonpartisan ex, um, conversation about just how to really f- figure out what's going on. And if you're, you know, if you're only getting your news from, you know, the things that we think are the trusting news, you're probably not getting the full picture. And we talk a lot about that. All right. 
Sorry, I'm already going on and on because I really like this show and I'm really proud of it. Um, anyway, so let me know what you think about these kind of shows. I love you all and I'll see you at the end of the podcast. So, whatever you want to say. All right. Well, what, what? Hello, everybody. It's a podcast. We are going strong today. Hello. Hello. Hello, Hello Jen Briney. How are you? <laughs> I am great. Thank you so much for having me. I'm... Sugar, this is going to be fun. So, um, welcome to the Dear Maddie Show. I'm Matt Marr. I'm here today with host of the another podcast called Congressional Dish with Jen Briney, which I know you're like, oh, politics. No, it's not. <laughs> it's this is already Jen and I have already like I should have recorded like five minutes ago because I can just tell it's going to be a it's going to be a sassy show. <laughs> it's going to be. A, but before we get to all that, so. You live – where do you live again? You live in up northwest, right? Uh, no. Right now I'm living right outside of Oakland in oh, Walnut Oakland. Creek. So it's like suburbia. Yes. Yeah. Well, I have a friend who is from Walnut Creek. So okay. So I know exactly where that is. Yeah. But – so we were going to do a show. We were going to do Skype. And then Jen was like, um, my family's all from like LA area. So I'm just going to make a family visit and let's just do this shit in person. And I'm like, yes. <laughs> and then that just happened. And I loved it. Yeah, so, I love doing in person. It's I so much more fun. Right, right, and you, now you have this right off that plane trip. Put it on your taxes being like, I had to go to the Dear Maddie show. There's some very yeah. – in Matt Mars living room. Write that plane ticket off, sugar. Literally. Oh, yeah. done. Done. Do done. that shit. Do that shit. Okay, so you, tell me a little bit about your upgrade. How did we even meet? We Can met you? at LA Podfest. That's where we met. Yes, 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 yeah. yes. I forgot about that. They're going to do that again. They're changing it up this year. I just got all the emails about it. Yeah, a different hotel. Oh, it's a different hotel too? Yeah, it's in, in downtown somewhere. Oh, man. I love the other one. It's so close. I could get drunk and take a four-minute Uber. Yeah, it was at the Sofitel. But what I like about downtown is now I can take the metro. Sofitel was so. kind of a weird space, so I think to have it. It wasn't the best yeah. place to have it. It was too fancy and there was no happy hours like within walking distance. <laughs> <laughs> which yeah. really mattered to me. No, downtown is better. Yeah. It's way better. It'll be, I know they had a reason for it, so I'm excited yeah, to see how they switch it up. they had a hard, I need an email Graham. I'd like to have him on the show. Um, talk about political. Oh. He gets really political. He does. Facebook. I yeah. love it. He gets, so, okay, so you grew up in, you grew up in Irvine, right? Mm-hmm. Daughter land, of two repubs. I should say land of the liberals, hashtag not. Not at all. Not at no. all. What, so what was it like growing up? Um, what was it just like growing up in Irvine? Well, it was like the ideal childhood. Mm-hmm. Like I lived, so I not only lived in Irvine, but I lived in Woodbridge. And so Irvine is known as a bubble. And then Woodbridge is the bubble within the bubble. So it's, it's a circle three and a half miles around and we had everything we needed. It was a planned community. So we had, you know, 26 pools and we had jacuzzis and I could ride my bike to all these different places. Like I was unsupervised all the time because <laughs> um, there was always some narc parent who's going to be like, oh, there's Jennifer, like call her mother. So <laughs> all the parents just watched each other in the whole damn town and it felt like a small town and that there wasn't anything outside of it. So my parents are both from Boston. We would travel to Boston once a year. Other than that, my whole life was in the bubble until... I got in trouble and got put in private school. But until then, I mean, everything was in Woodbridge. And it wow. was just so, it was super isolated. And um, and not, I, I mean, there was a lot of people there. But it, it was, it's funny because I feel like I can actually identify with people that lived in rural areas. Because mm-hmm. I had that same experience of everybody knows everybody. Mm-hmm. Everybody's all up in your shit. 
even though it was in Southern California. And at the time, it was Orange County, as in there were orange trees. It was yeah, before I we mowed them all down. Yeah, there's not any anymore, is there? Mm-mm. You'd think they would have kept like a little like nostalgic area, but no. No, it's owned by the Irvine Company, which is one of the most evil, profit-seeking, horrible companies. So they mowed down all the trees. Now you go down there, and it's just houses and houses and houses. And So it's a very different place now than when it was when I grew up there. I don't love it. At all. I don't either. I feel like, I mean, Orange County, when I go to Orange, it just feels like the gross parts of going, because I went to my undergrad just outside of Dallas. And some parts of Dallas I really like. But then there's kind of like the newer development that's just like this strip mall that's decorated this way. And then there's a new, it's still a strip mall, but it's, you know, built this way to look different than that other. Mm. But it's literally all the same shit. And yeah. it's just so... um it I call just them feels corporate gene- vills. Yeah, it feels generic. Yeah. It's Real like generic. we have every restaurant you could possibly imagine that's like corporate branded and chains, you know, but we don't have those little stores that someone opened up, you know, like Venice Beach. I just took a walk on Venice Beach. Oh. And you can go there as an artist and make a living. You're not going to do that in Irvine. You're not. You know, you got to be a cheesecake factory. So yeah. it's, I think that's where I kind of got my first taste of like, ooh, corporate is... It's a little icky. It's a little I think icky. it's because I was living in Irvine, which, like I said, had trees, and I watched them mow them down and just mm-hmm. put up these big companies in these giant boxes. I mean, architecture doesn't mean anything mm-hmm. in the new developments down there. Yeah. And um, the Irvine Spectrum wasn't a thing when I moved there, and now it's this monstrosity. It's like blocks and blocks of just nothing but stores and oh, wow. this mecca of commercialism. And is the Spectrum, is that the block? It's like the block, but it's the Irvine version. It's where the 5 and the 405 meet. There's a giant um, shopping center down there. And that's the Irvine Spectrum. And it just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And it's nice to go. I mean, it has bars and it's nice to have around, but it's just not... It's not somewhere I want to go back to. It's not. So is that why you like living by San Francisco? Because you can kind of just... That is the anti-Irvine. Because Walnut Creek's just, what, 30 minutes outside of San Francisco? Yeah, and my dad calls Walnut Creek Irvine of the North, and it totally is. I mean, it's more of a walkable downtown and has a whole section that's all independent businesses and restaurants, so it's different. It's better. But I'm living in the Bay Area because my husband got a job. Oh, okay. Yeah, so... Do you like living there or do you not? It's okay. I love the people that I'm friends with, but I'm finding... The prices for living there are ridiculous. Yeah. And it's not worth it. And I'm also, I'm irritated by the politics up there, for sure, where it's like, we're so liberal and we take care of everyone, and yet there's a human being living in every doorway that we just Mm. ignore as a society. Mm -hmm. And the infrastructure's falling down. So it's like, Mm -hmm. we preach up there, and we allow so many people to live in squalor while Mm. allowing these big companies to come and jack up the rent for no reason. I live in an Avalonville, so like um, Avalon, the apartment complex. Mm There's three Avalon apartment complexes around me, and I know for a fact that they have a pretty serious, like, they're not full, basically. Mm. And they raised my rent 10% last year. So this isn't supply and demand, Mm. you know? We're just all getting screwed, and and it's just being allowed to happen. There's no rent control. There's no... Mm. So I'm just... I'm not loving the experience of living there. I'm finding a lot of hypocrisy. I'm so negative today. No, I don't think... (laughs) No, I think... You know what I've realized in... So we're doing a different Dear Maddie show today. We're not taking advice questions because I kind of want to just – Jen's show is really cool, and I did this just a, a couple of weeks ago with Pantsuit Politics. I just feel like so much is going on that it's um, 
so many of you have written to me about you know how to talk to your family members about politics or how not to and all that shit. I just we're gonna kind of just have a more of a conversation today. If you don't like it, write me about it, dear Maddie Show, or tweet me about it and tell me I'm terrible. But if you love it, <laughs> do it too. Um, I would love that. But um, okay. My shoes untied, and I have OCD, but it's going to be fine. I'm going to keep going, Jen's part of the show. So <laughs> you can do it. I can do it. So you know what? I feel like, and this might offend some people because I do live in California. I have a lot of liberal friends, but there's just there is something I don't want to say wrong, ineffective. There's something ineffective. I feel like the more and more I kind of look back and see politics and. I mentioned this before we start recording, but I've, you know, I live in the most liberal state in this union, and I am from probably the most conservative one. So, I live in California, from Oklahoma, so I definitely see and have empathy for all sides. I see, I understand why some people, you know, voted for Trump and why they see that. Uh, I don't understand the people, you know, that only read Breitbart or things like that. But what I also – I'm seeing the same of people that only read, like, websites like Occupy Democrats mm-hmm. and are, like, the kind of some of the vehement – normally, not all of them, but vehemently supportive, like, Bernie Sanders supporters that are on the – what you're talking about is – it's just people of no matter what – no matter what uh, liberal or conservative political view, but those people that are so st- – staunch in like just preaching that they are right Mm -hmm. and that they know the one way i feel like that is the most ineffective way and not at all what our political system was founded upon is it was meant for us to disagree and and support those disagreements and i but i i remember looking on my facebook feed and i Unless I saw the word Trump or Bernie, I could literally take a paragraph per paragraph, and it was they were saying the same thing. It was mm-hmm. just the lack of the word I can think of. It was just crazy all around. Yeah, and it's it's a tribal mentality that I just I am so tired of. You know, because mm-hmm. even those labels, liberal or conservative, people spend so much time debating what those two words even mean. Mm. And then when I started watching the government, because for those of you who haven't heard my show, I, I read congressional yeah, to bills. Tell what people, sorry, I'm terrible. Tell what people what con- <laughs> congressional dishes. Yeah, so I um, it started about four years ago because I was watching what was going on in Congress just because I'm a nerd. And so I would turn on C-SPAN and I, I it started when I saw Tom Cole of Oklahoma. Oh, yeah. T- I read this on your – yeah, tell us Tom fucking Cole. <laughs> Oh, Oklahoma. He needs to be fired. Mary Fallon, all of them. Get rid of all of them. <laughs> yeah. Mary Fallon is the antichrist. I will say she's a horrible person. I usually don't make emotional judgments on people, but she's horrible. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Tom well, Cole. I mean, if you want to judge people, that's the other thing, too. I like to talk shit, but I like to be nice to people. <laughs> but it's so easy to talk shit on Congress because they're so horrible. So, um, but yeah, I'm cleaning. I'm, I'm watching C-SPAN and I watch Tom Cole get up there. And into a energy and water funding bill, he slipped something that protects secret campaign contributions and bragged about it. And I'm, I'm sitting there. I'm going, there's no way I actually heard that. You know, you wouldn't brag about doing something. You should be ashamed. And so the next day I looked in the congressional record because I had heard that's basically a transcript and it is. And it was exactly what I thought it was. I found his amendment. I found his speech. And I was like, oh, my God. This is a scandal. So then I went and I watched, I remember watching Rachel Maddow that night because I was mm-hmm. like, she's got to be all over this. No, it wasn't on any of the TV stations. Then I took to the internet and there was no blogs. There was no articles. I mean, it was like it didn't even happen. 
So that was a like a oh my god moment for me because I said how often does this happen? I started reading the congressional record more regularly. It happens all all the, the time. time, all, all the, the time. time. So that's when I was like, okay. I, I, at the time, I was waiting tables. I didn't really know what to do with my life. I had been raised listening to talk radio and yelling back at it because my parents were conservative. So it was like Rush Limbaugh and Doctor Laura, and, and so I had the idea of doing a podcast because. One way that I felt like I could, it sounds so cheesy, but like serve the country was to start paying attention to what's going on in our branch of government, which is Congress. So I was like, you know, I could watch this stuff, do a podcast and a podcast would be a way for people to consume it where a, they don't have to read because I know people that like to read are going to find this information, you Mm -hmm. know? Um, So I wanted something that my friends who don't read could absorb it and then also i felt it was so much more powerful for people to be able to hear congressmen do this stuff in their own words instead of me having to regurgitate it Mm -hmm. and so that's a big part of my show too where i'll just i'll say like this sounds insane but here it is you know so it's like my last episode i had to talk about the global order a lot which it sounds like like it's insane that the people in congress are trying to rule the world but then you hear john mccain say it you know Mm -hmm. so it's like i'm not making it up here you go, and here's a Democrat saying it, here's another Republican saying it, and you hear that so many times, it's like, okay, you know, you can't really deny it when it's coming from their mouths, but if mm-hmm. I were to tell you, mm-hmm. you know, it just, it's much more powerful to hear their own voices. So that's how it all started. And, um, and yeah, so going through this experience and watching the Republicans and Democrats behave so differently from the reputations of what liberals and conservatives are supposed to be. Mm -hmm. So like, um, I know my parents considered themselves conservative because they were fiscally conservative, believe Mm -hmm. in balanced budgets. They really do. They're both Mm -hmm. accountants. And, um, and then I watch the Republicans govern and they don't give a crap about the debt. It's no. unbelievable. No, they, they don't. They passed this thing called the Paygo budget. I think it was in uh, 2010, which basically says that anytime you have a bill that spends money, you have to find a way to pay for it in that bill. And so they just waive that in every single bill. I mean, it's almost gotten to be predictable. They'll just be like, yeah, and this one got waived in the Paygo budget. It's just not going to count. So they passed um, billions of dollars worth of tax cuts last year. They just waived it. So it doesn't count towards the pay-go budget and the debt keeps going up. And, and yet these people are, are theoretically fiscally conservative. Yeah. So it's like people that consider themselves conservative in that way, they vote for this party, don't pay attention to what the party actually does. And then... Which we are... Sub- I heard this somewhere on a news channel and I've been saying it a lot because I don't consider myself a political person. I Especially, I mean, when, definitely when it comes to... Human rights, women's rights, minority, those things I'm big, I get very passionate about. But really, we're, we're not supposed to be this involved in government as everyday people. The whole point I, – I someone said this, and it, it hit me, and I went, oh, it just made me feel even more disgusted about it all. We're supposed to be able to elect these people that do this and spend the time doing this and trust them that they will take care of this day-to-day minutiae. To in our best interest, and I just feel like that we're so far away. You laughed when I said that because we're because I disagree we're, with you completely. Well, we're not anywhere near that at all. No, well, because that's how people are operating. You think that all you have to do is vote, and we can't even get half of us to even do that. Yes, true. But a lot of people think that I vote, 
and then you get to stop paying attention. And that's how we got ourselves into this mess. That's true. The people's branch, Congress in particular, we were always supposed to have the most control over. And so you can't just hire someone and then never tell them what you want because how are they supposed to represent you if you never communicate with them? That's true. And so I think that's a big problem we're having too is that we're not... We're not watching our own representatives <laughs> to make sure that what they do represents us. Like I gave you a Republican example. The Democrat example is we only have two parties, right? Yeah. Which one is theoretically anti-war? Yes. yes. <laughs> you know, and yeah. yet Obama overthrew quite a few governments. He yes. just did it in a smoother way. Yeah. You know, no drama, Obama. We didn't even yeah. notice. <laughs> He's like the Barry White president. Yeah. Like, and smooth. I was like, oh, well, George W. Bush, he gets out there and says, shock and awe, we're going to over." you know, take over the government of Iraq. Obama just does it in Syria. Failed, actually. But we don't even, we don't protest, we don't care, and it's because he's our guy. So we're not paying attention to that. And now that it's Trump, now we're back out in the streets because it's the GOP. I will will take ownership of that. And you, you've called (laughs) me out on that. And I, I admit that you were right. And, and I'm not trying to do that. No, no, no. I think you're making, the whole point of this, why you're doing your show and why I'm trying to have – because I don't want to do like a million and one political shows because I, I, I can't – I admire like you and like I was talking about the ladies from Pantsu Politics that I couldn't do it. Like I can't ingest it every day. It's hard. It is. But I do – but again, I'm like you. I can't not look at it because this is what's going on in our world and I need to be an informed citizen mm-hmm. to do to take action on things. But uh, But I am trying to have conversations with people like you that I feel like aren't stuck in this – I need to be I need to be right to prove people wrong that are just I'm in this to like because I have a curiosity and a passion for what is what is fair and what is mm-hmm. what it, almost like a sense of justice. And so I almost think of like you and other people I've mentioned like it's like a modern day superhero where it's like you know but like you have to be that because so many people feel and I it, but I do feel even though I, a lot of things gross me out about politics and I feel like a lot of it is broken I'm still going to be involved in it because I'm like well I can't just throw my hands up at it because whether I like it or not this is the system we have mm-hmm. and they are probably a lot of them on both sides want us to throw our like you just said they want us to throw our hands up at it so then they can just do whatever the fuck they want yeah and i think we also have to make a distinction between politics and government i Mm. feel like my show is about government i want to know what government is doing in my name like i cover what happens after the elections where what i'm seeing on the tv all the time that makes me insane is politics where they think they have to have someone on one side and someone on the other side to scream at each other for 10 minutes yeah i agree with that and i think that's the part that grosses people out yes but what uh, not what i well yeah what i'm doing where i'm looking at the details and this is what's actually happening i think that's the fascinating stuff and if they would cover that on the news we'd be not all, the news would be much musty tv because i'm fascinated by it and i know i'm not the mm-hmm. only one i mean mm-hmm. i started this i'm not famous and yet I have tens of thousands of people that listen to every yeah, episode. Yeah, you have a lot you of people. Know? Mm-hmm. And so there, there is a hunger for this. But the politics part is grossing people out. No one wants to watch fighting on TV. I'm, I'm over, like, I pretty much don't watch news anymore. Such a shame. Even like, even like CNN or what? I, I, I'll pretty much, I will listen to it really usually on NPR. Or I just go to the NPR site and that's mm-hmm. where I read my news or like I'll go to like the times. I pretty much just read it. Yeah. So that way I don't have to hear 
just hear the back. Now, I will go if there's a story like, so we're recording this episode on February, what is today? February 16th. 16th. So we're two days in now to Flynn being resigned, Flynn being, well, yeah, he resigned and all of this. But like that night, I do go when there's something like that, just to keep me, I always like, we'll go to CNN, MSNBC and Fox News just to see, again, it. To see how they're reporting it, not because I want the information for them. It's almost more I just want to see what people are people are buying into. Yeah, it's like a propaganda, a propaganda yeah, check. Yes, that, that's exactly <laughs> what it is. Because yeah. you see, you know, CNN's a little bit more. They're again having two people on both sides kind of fight about it. Whereas MSC is basically, you know, talking about they're relating to like Nixon and things like that, and and then Fox News Hannity's on it talking about the liberal media. And mm-hmm. how they shouldn't be leaking information. Yeah. So, which is ridiculous when Trump was supporting leaks of information before. But anyway. So anyway. But that is. It's a propaganda train. And then I can. I just kind of watch like maybe five minutes of each one. I'm like, okay. I know what bullshit you're giving me. What bullshit you're giving me. You're bu-, and then I go read it. Yeah. I'm like NPR. Just because it, it's like a taking a temperature. Mm-hmm. Where, so where do you get your news? Well, and that was the thing. When Which I, you really get it from the source. Well, and Yeah, because I decided that I needed primary sources because I found out I could trust no one. And mm. it was a process. You know, I, I, I wanted to... I was kind of obsessed with figuring out what was going on in the world once mm. it occurred to me that I didn't know. And I was like, okay, so maybe a career in journalism would be a good idea. Where do I want to go, right? Mm-hmm. So I turned on the TV and Fox News I was able to eliminate almost immediately because mm-hmm. it was pretty clear propaganda. Um, I had some faith in MSNBC for a while. CNN, they broke my heart. But Mm -hmm. it was like there was nowhere on the TV for me to aim for, you know? Mm -hmm. And so um, after going through that, and like the New York Times, I trust them as much as you can trust any newspaper, but Mm -hmm. they did lie us into Iraq. So Mm -hmm. it's like you really have to look at who the Mm -hmm. author is and be so careful now. And that was another reason I was like, well, you know what? Fuck it. I'm just going to read the government documents. It's unpleasant, but... I'm not intimidated by that language. Mm. And so that's why I read the bills themselves. That's why I read CBO reports to find out how much they're going to cost. I don't trust anybody. And it's such a a cynical place to be. But like bringing up the Flynn thing is a great example because right now there's so many people blaming Russia for things. And so there's a lot of reporting on this intelligence report that theoretically tells you how how they interfered in our election. They have no proof of anything. Mm-hmm. So when you read the pr- the report, you can go, oh, my God. Like, they don't have anything. Like, they have literally no connection to Podesta emails at all. And they know that Russia got into the DNC. But the whole taking those emails and giving them to WikiLeaks part, nothing. So it's like it's the flimsiest of evidence. And yet you turn on the TV right now, especially MSNBC. They're out of control. Yeah. And they're just like... They're subverting, like they're subverting our democracy, and like and they're showing, out. they're showing like this Russian ship off the like thing, which has been there for two years. Which that's and I did again. I did my research, and it, and like it was, it actually was on when I flipped over to CNN because somebody who said he's like, this is actually not a big deal. This happens all the time, and then I kind of read into it online. I went, oh, this does, and begin. You see. And then it, CNN ended up jumping on the train, too, of breaking news, ship off the coast. And I'm like, no, no, mm-hmm. no, you just, no, no. Yeah. And what's really frustrating to me is how many people still watch the news and think that it's the news. Yeah. That's, and it's it's the older generation 
who happens to be the people who vote. Yeah, it's like, yeah, it's, yeah, very much. I, cause, and I even know, like, you know, I know some of my family members, like, they get their news from Breitbart. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that's. Our fucking president's getting his news from Fox News. Yeah, I'm like, nothing is factual about Breitbart. Not, like, we can all agree that nobody should be reading, watching that. Yeah. Or a lot of them, you know, it's just, it's, um, so what is it like? So, and again, because I've listened, I just listened to part of one of your episodes, but also uh, in looking at your site and all that kind of stuff, I, I I do like that. So if people are listening to this, you really, it's not about you espousing your political opinion on your show Mm-mm. at all. And I like that. I feel like you really are like, I'm just teasing through this, this information and just looking for facts. So like if you were a political party, I feel like you would be the fact party. Well, I'm just trying <laughs> not alternative to... <laughs> facts, but a real fact. <laughs> the problem with saying that I, cause I do look for facts and I source things like everything that I talk about, I have in my, my sources list so that people can check my work. Cause like, who am I? Um, so that is very important to me, but I'm also just looking at things that are, are hidden. So, um, like for instance, I'm right now I'm working through some of the confirmation hearings that I think are really important. Mm-hmm. I'm going to skip Betsy DeVos because that was covered. You know, people kind of yeah. know what she's all about, but no one really was paying attention to Tom Price. That's the one I'm working on now. He's in charge of health and human services. And so even if they don't repeal Obamacare, this guy has a lot of power to kind of gut it on his own just mm. because he's in charge of implementing it. So if there's certain parts that he's not going to enforce, well, then the insurance companies won't have to cover you. If there's mm. no one enforcing the law, does the law really exist? Yeah, you know? No, it doesn't. So um, that's another one of my goals is to just highlight the things that I'm like, oh, this is worth knowing. I don't know if this is the whole story, but it's a dot. And I'm constantly just trying to connect the dots and figuring out like what's our place in the world? What are we trying to do? Because I feel like the only way for us to change for the better is to realize where we are. Mm-hmm. And we don't know where we are. We don't know what we are. We don't know what they're legislating in our names. We don't know where we're at war. You know, just very Mm -hmm. basic things we're unaware of. And um, this is really, the podcast is really me trying to figure it out out loud. And I'm not trying to preach because I don't have all the answers and I never will. Mm -hmm. You know, and I think there's an awareness of that. Um, I will tell people where I'm coming from so they can understand me as a source. Mm -hmm. But I'm not, I'm not preaching. Like, no, not at all. Now, what's it like, though, with – because you've mentioned them. What is it like having your parents? How do they feel about your show and what you're doing? So this is kind of fun because one of the things – I used to get in fights with my dad when I started paying attention. It was during the George W. Bush administration. He's Republican. I'm horrified. Um, The war really messed with my mind. And so my dad and I used to fight, and I don't like fighting with my dad. So with this podcast, one of the reasons I source everything I say – is to stick it to my dad. (laughs) (laughs) I I love that you're honest. You're like, I want to source and be reliable. You're like, no, I want to stick it to my dad. Yeah. So I can be like, hey, dad, you want to know where I got that? Here's the article. Look in the show notes. So really when it was just me talking in the microphone, a lot of times I was talking to my dad and being like, "Um, you know I'm not making this up because here's the list. Mm -hmm. And so that worked on a broader level too. And now it's awesome. I was just hanging out with my dad. We went for a, a pretty long walk. And we have very calm conversations now because we know that we're on an even playing field. You know, we're looking at the same facts. He's, he's not consistently voting Republican anymore. He said this time he just left the, uh, the president blank because he was so disgusted by a lot of Republicans did that. Yeah. So he was where our conversations have gotten so much saner since I started doing this because he knows that it's not just an emotional reaction 
that I am mm. looking into this stuff. So it's actually made my dad and I much more respectful in our conversations. I'm trying to reach the 46% of people who are sitting on the sidelines who I think feel like me and feel like these two sides that we're all supposed to fit in. Mm-hmm. Some of us just don't. In fact, we don't. I, I'm running on the theory that most of us don't. I, I, I think that is... I, again, I talked about that on Pantsu Politics. If it's like... It's so funny that we've talked about the word, you know, because the whole thing with that show is that when they kind of introduce the show saying, you know, I'm I'm uh, Sarah from the left and Beth on the right. And they talked about how that's even harder for them to do now because she she's like, I just have a problem with the word conservative, like what it's mm-hmm. meant to mean. And it doesn't reflect me. It doesn't, ref- you know, I, I, and I, I agree with you. I think more people and I used to t- talk with my mom about this. We don't talk about this so much now but just because she is like a pretty vehement Trump supporter. And so that's just hard for me to process. <laughs> um, it is. And um, we, we were having these conversations about, I feel like probably, yes, I'm very much more a liberal person as, as far as like, especially like human rights and like anything ethically, morally, like I'm. It sounds like you're just a good person. Well, <laughs> I try to be, but, <laughs> but I am like, what I was going to say is, and I think many Americans relate to this. And my mom used to say this too, but I feel like, because I know she is pro-choice and she is very much for gay marriage and things like that. But I feel like we don't have the option to be anywhere in the middle anymore. We have to choose if we want to vote for a candidate or even representatives. They're either either all on this side or that side. And I agree with you. I think most Americans. I'm like, you know what? I am kind of fiscally response uh, conservative, and I prom and I don't like like when Bernie Sanders was saying stuff. I'm like, yeah, that's great, but there's no way we're gonna we're gonna go into so much debt trying to fucking pay for that or yeah, like free college. Yeah, I'm like. That's great. That's yeah. great in unicorn land. But, <laughs> but so I do think a lot of people feel like that. They just kind of want like some reasonable rationals. And I love that. I love that story through your dad because I think it's, and I, I'm trying to do this with other people, you know, in my life. If, you know, again, what's sad for me about this Flynn thing is that, you know, I have a lot of friends on Facebook and stuff that are posting like, I told you so. Like, but what about her emails now, bitches? And are really, mm. which, I understand why she people, still broke the law. Yeah. I, what about her emails? Still a crime. Still black love. I get why I get why people are saying that, but I'm also but I kind of just I said in a little post, I'm like, I just I think it's sad that there's people who believed in this president and they're seeing like shortcomings if they want to. Some of them some of them were more on the fence and seeing like, oh man, this person isn't what I thought they were. And I was like, saying this whole ego thing of I was right this doesn't help anyone and it's Mm -hmm. just it really everyone's getting fucked y'all like basically everyone's getting fucked and I think the source of it comes from the labels because one of the things that I refuse to do and you haven't done it to me and I appreciate it but so many people one of the first questions they ask me so are you liberal or conservative Mm -hmm. I'm just like oh I won't answer that question Mm -hmm. because I feel no need to put myself in a preconceived box I, I, I not only don't think it's important I think it's damaging because people will shut off they make a bunch of assumptions about you and then i find that when you pick a team you end up changing your mind sometimes to fit with what your team is supposed to be so it's like a conservative who's for gay marriage is a bad conservative Mm -hmm. you know where if you just say i'm uh matt's mom then you can be for whatever the fuck you want to be. Yeah. So I just, I refuse to label myself. I don't label my friends. I don't label congressmen. Um, in fact, most of the times I leave off their parties unless I'm specifically talking about 
something related to them, but mm. I will introduce them with their names and their states because mm. that's what's matter. That's what matters. Who are they representing? Which part of the country? You don't need to know what party they're in. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of fascinating too that people have noted that like they can't tell anymore. You know, so it's like yes. you'll hear them say something. You can't tell if that person's a Democrat or Republican. So they'll look it up and they've been surprised, especially lately mm. with the way the Democrats have been talking about Russia and um, very warmongery stuff. Yeah, uh, they they're not resisting certain things in Congress. And so th- leaving the labels off. Mm-hmm. opens up more minds mm-hmm. instead of starting a conversation with well this is where i am mm-hmm. you're either with me or you're against me i just mm-hmm. won't even i won't start a conversation that way so where or do you find hope for our political system congress you still do so oh a hundred percent and how are you able because you know you i don't think you've been negative all you started to be like i'm so negative and but, you know, and we're talking about a lot of kind of we've been talking a lot about the dysfunction of Congress. But yet even in reading that and seeing that you still feel hopeful about it. A hundred percent. And here's why. And this is why okay. I decided to do the show. Jen just got the biggest fucking smile. And I love that. Because this plan can fucking work. Because <laughs> <laughs> It's so simple. And I love it so much. So in the House of Representatives in particular, we can fire them all every two years. They're all up for election every single time. And I didn't know that. And I know so many people that didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Then last year, I had like crowdfunded some research with my, or not funded, crowd, whatever. Sourced. Yes. And um, we worked together and we looked it up to make sure as an independent. So if you want to say, fuck both these parties, could you get on the ballot for every state for the House of Representatives? And the answer was yes. Some states have made it significantly harder than others, but like Tennessee, 25 signatures and like 100 bucks, and you're on the ballot. You know, mm. Oklahoma is one of the relatively easier states. And so um, in Texas, I think you need 500 signatures and I don't know, 100 bucks, something like that. So I have so much hope that if this idea of fire them all can actually take hold and i hashtag fire them all oh i've already i've already started using it (laughs) because it's really that bad there's Mm. no one who i think is so good in congress right now that's worth saving Mm. i really don't including bernie sanders he's been great but Mm. i also think that if he would encourage us to clean house Mm. in that way even if he gets caught in the crossfire Mm -hmm. that's how bad the situation is in congress both parties are corrupt and it's the money you know like i I think with the internet, our generation, if we were to, and one of the nice things about Trump is that it's waking up people in a way that they wouldn't have if Hillary had won. We would have had at least four more years of what we just had in Obama, of terrible things happening, more power going to the executive branch, and people just not paying attention to it Mm because we have a historic woman president. We just had the black president. Now we Mm -hmm. have the woman president. All is right in the world. Mm -hmm. With Trump, people are freaking out and they're paying attention and they're trying to figure out what do we do about this. And they're saying Congress 2018. So the first time in my life that people are looking at a midterm congressional yeah, election. Yeah, that is the first time in our lives, yeah. Yeah, and they're looking at it and saying, not only how do we vote in better, better people, but how can I be one of them? Or how can this person that I believe in be one of them? Mm-hmm. And so I think this is going to be a beautiful experiment. But that's my dream, and it's a realistic one using the system that we have. So that's and I have so much hope because here's the thing if you just we don't even have to focus on the Senate Although we do get to fire Feinstein in 2018 and I hope we do Mm -hmm. Um, In California anyway, but 
my hope is that if we can get the House of Representatives, just get a good chunk that aren't doing it for the money, that aren't Democrats or Republicans, just enough to make it so that they have to work with the center and that's not just red versus blue. Well, that's the branch that controls the money. So good mm-hmm. luck starting a war without the money. Good luck doing another bill that's only for the pharmaceutical industry that's getting people hooked on drugs. Good luck doing that. Mm-hmm. You know, like you can't do anything without the money. And that's why the founders put it in Congress. Mm-hmm. And that's why I'm doing my show. I want to drag as much attention away from the executive branch, which we have no control over. We mm-hmm. know we can't control Trump, can't. but we can control Congress. So um, that's where my hope is. And the, mm-hmm. I wouldn't be doing this if I had no hope. I would be living on a beach somewhere. <laughs> Probably in Mexico. I having, a, having a drink. Yeah. All inclusive resorts. So, okay. So now I am going to bring in like sides a little bit just because I want to be like, you know, feel like I'm being fair about it. But in like your four years of doing this show, what what has been the biggest surprise for you if we just say from like, you know, a Democratic senator or representative and a republican house and i just want to bring this up not like talking shit on people but just kind of to bring i'm interested in like i hopefully kind of blow open some people's minds a little bit like we have ideas about you know because i get it you buy into like um like you buy into just again it's about keeping track because you know as somebody who like I know as I'm you're talking, I'm realizing, you know, I do give a pass for people because I am so so and I get it. And, you know, being a gay man and I, you know, started a nonprofit like a nonprofit gay camp. And I, you know, I work in all this kind of like social service stuff and that kind of stuff. So, like, if I see a candidate, you know, like Feinstein, that's been so like pro women's rights or like like so far, I don't know what she's doing now, but like I have to say, like. I'm on the little bit of the Kamala Harris bandwagon. Like I really mm. like a lot of the things that she says, but I but I realize I'm like, oh, but I'm I don't know if I'm paying attention to like things they're doing with like things with pharmaceutical companies or mm-hmm. things that they're doing, you know. But if they're talking about the environment and human rights, and I kind of like jump on that bandwagon, but don't notice that the wheel another wheel is falling off of the wagon, so to mm-hmm. speak. So what's been like? It can be I don't care any political actually, but what are like two representative senators that have really you feel like you've seen them introducing bills and things that you were like, whoa, this is a different side of this person that I don't think people realize. I know you've done a lot, so I don't know if you can think of any specific. Well, I mean, that's hard because when I started this, I knew so little. So if you go back Mm. to my first episodes, I was learning about Congress for the first two years. My whole shtick was for the every Congress is two years long. And so for my first one, I was just going to read every bill that passed the House of Representatives. So I would just learn by doing. Mm. And so you really hear me go on this journey for two years of being like, like when July hit and they started passing thousand page bill after thousand page bill. And I just, I had absolutely no chance. Um, and I, you can hear me just cry on air, you know? Oh, so it's really? like, that's where I started. It's now four years in that I'm getting to know these people. Mm-hmm. Um, the more, the the overall shocking thing for me, because I didn't go looking for it, and it's become the tagline on my podcast, is I had no idea the influence of money and corporations in our government. It really, mm. I didn't see it coming, um, and it's quite shocking. Because now that I'm looking at, like, our new CIA director was in the House, Mike Pompeo. Mm-hmm. I can't stand this guy. He represent, re- represented the um, district in Kansas where the Koch Brothers Industries is is headquartered. 
and he they own like 4,000 miles worth of natural gas pipelines. And so he wrote a bill that would expedite natural gas pipelines. And then you look at his financials. He's taken over $375,000 from the Koch brothers. Like they were his number one contributor by far. And so you just look at that and it's so clear. You know, mm-hmm. it's like here's a bill that represents – you know, would, wouldn't help the people, you know, mm-hmm. you're not making sure because we've had these pipelines, San Bruno up in Northern California, just a few years ago, one of these natural gas pipelines exploded, killed eight people and blew up an entire neighborhood. So you want to make sure that these things are safe. So mm-hmm. expediting this is not about you and me. It would help the Koch brothers. And when you look at that connection between that bill and his funding and how often that happens, mm. it's stunning, you know, mm. or um, Jim Himes, Democrat of Connecticut, there was a bill that um, gutted a part of the Dodd-Frank financial reform. And like Dodd-Frank, there were so many holes in it. It was basically Swiss cheese. What was it? I don't know. Remember what so that. in 2008, after the financial crash, mm-hmm. this was something that was supposed to uh, – it was changing the banking system – just enough to theoretically not allow that to happen again. And so one of the rules that they made is that, say, for instance, you take your money and you put it in Bank of America. Mm-hmm. And I don't feel afraid saying their name because they were a part of this fucking thing and I can prove it. <laughs> so, <laughs> but let's say you put your deposit in Bank of America. They, it used to be that Bank of America would just have to have their their banking where you have your deposits and then if they were gambling on Wall Street, you know, like they're their financial securities and all that crap, they would have to be separate. And in the 1990s, the Republicans in Congress and Bill Clinton, they took down that wall. And so what you found is that you and I put our deposits into the bank. The bank didn't actually have our money sitting there. It was floating around doing whatever the hell on Wall Street. And then they lost it all in 2008. Mm-hmm. And so they put that wall back up, or at least they were in the process of, of doing that with, with Dodd-Frank. And there, mm. was, um, there was a bill. It was written literally by Citigroup lobbyists. That short story took the wall back down and it was a Democrat that did it. And you look at his or yeah, it was Jim Himes. And then you look at his open secrets, which is where you find out his financials. And he's taken an enormous amount of money from the financial industry. I can't remember mm. the exact number, so I'm not going to make it up. But it was enormous and it was very obvious that, wow. that his number one contributing industry, he just worked with Citigroup lobbyists to get this into law. And it was an attachment. It had passed on its own, which is how it was on my radar. Mm -hmm. But then they attached it to a government funding law. So in this giant 2,000-page bill, it was just in there. I call them dingleberries, where they just attach (laughs) them and they just, they slide into law. There was also, this was a great dingleberry. Um, Hillary Clinton, as Secretary Mm -hmm. of State, negotiated a treaty with Mexico, that allows deep water drilling even deeper than where the deep water horizon was. That got signed into law as a dingleberry, too. Really? Yeah. So these 2,000-page bills, there's all kinds of shit attached to them. And people don't know. How do you it's have It's always free right time? before Christmas. How do, you have, how do you have free time? Well, that's what I'm working on this year. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a problem. <laughs> but no, but I, I make that joke, but I mean, it's... It is lab- it is his definition of laborious what you're yeah, doing. It is, and because I've had a day job at a law office, so I know what it's like reading this kind of. It's dense. Yeah, and now I'm trying to filter, and I've promised my husband like I'm going to be more present now because for, for four years I wasn't. I didn't know what I was getting into, mm-hmm. you know. And I had said for two years I was going to read every bill, and for the most part I did. Um, I had to skip a few of the thousand pages, but then. Um, in the last Congress, so I did the 113th Congress and the 114th. I was really just trying to figure it out 
And my husband had also lost his job. Mm. So at that time, I think I had $25 in subscriptions coming in because I don't take ads. Mm-hmm. It's listener supported. But even just having that 25 bucks, we were like, okay, we're on to something here. But we had to move to his parents' vacation house. I went back to waiting tables. So I was working full-time on the podcast and waiting tables. And Joe worked on the golf course. And then he, he got the job. But So in the 114th, I was just trying to figure out how to do this mm-hmm. you know long term and then th- now is when i i've decided i have a ske- set schedule i'm going to do two a month no more you know it's mm-hmm. i need to stop i kept trying to get ahead of stuff so that maybe we could stop it you know like so yeah. naive and like try and put it out really fast so that people could call their congressman but now i'm just like you guys like we're spectators at this point you know so i'll tell you what's mm-hmm. in these laws so that you can plan your finances and your your health insurance i mean i can tell you i went got a physical yesterday i went to my dentist last week because i'm gonna get as much covered as i possibly can before we get the rug pulled out from under us with whatever they're gonna do with our health insurance mm-hmm. and so it's like that those are the types of like real world preparations we mm-hmm. should be making for our own finances because of actions that Congress mm-hmm. is going to be taking. And so that's also part of the value of the show where I'm just like, okay, you guys, we need to see what they're doing. How did the law just change? Um, and so, yeah, that's, I'm trying to find a way because I'm so jealous of you. I know that you're batching episodes right now because I just saw Wes walk out the door. Oh, yeah. I just recorded an episode before. Yeah. So it's like, I'm always doing it last minute. Like I never get to just go on vacation, and so I need to find a way to do that too. It's um, work-life balance is well. I do it with this hard. because then my other stuff is because I'm. I mean, my day I've done these two episodes, and then I'm gonna go see a friend. But then I'm recording, and I've got to, we've got to watch a show, and then we're recording the recap show for that. That's different. We're recording that tonight, and we'll fin- I'll get home from that, and then by the time I come home, and then I edit because I have to get it out tomorrow before I go to my day job. So I'll go to bed around one thirty or two tonight, just mm, from. That's a long day. So it's a long day, but you know, it's like th- those kind of stuff. It is. You watch a show. You're talking about a television show. You have to talk about it. It's got to be yeah. out in twenty four hours, or no one's going to give a shit. So, well, even my last episode, I started it by saying, you know, we're panicking because of this whole Trump situation, but really nothing's changed. Mm-hmm. But in the forty eight hours between recording it. And getting it edited and getting out, there were a bunch of immigration raids. <laughs> so, so things change. You're yeah. like, so I did have someone be like, "Hey, white girl, like check your privilege." Like, there's a lot of Mexicans that think that a lot of things have changed. And I'm like, and in those 48 hours, you have to understand that, like, I didn't record it Sunday morning. Uh huh. You know, like I recorded it on Thursday, and in that time, this happened. So yeah, yeah, it's so I have to be. It's current affairs. No, I even told you I was like. I, I realize I've got to probably bump who I was planning on putting next week on my show because who knows who knows what what this could be outdated a week well, from now. I don't think, I don't think so. We haven't I gotten think we're pretty to, evergreen right I think now. We, I think we're pretty evergreen right now. Maybe a little bit on the Russia who knows? stuff because people forget too. Like yeah. six months from now, you're going to say Michael Flynn and they'll be like, "Who?" That's true. <laughs> you know, people have no idea. No, that's true. It's true. Do you, uh, so what? It's like, uh, I have so many questions. So I guess like, you know, in doing this, so I guess of two things. So for somebody who's jumping into your show, where do you feel like is a great place for them to start for your show or just starting now, like on your current episodes um, that want to just jump into, jump into a little bit of Jen? Well, I mean, it's a new Congress. 
So Oh, so yeah, it's kind of a good time. Yeah, it is a good time. And then also, like in the last episode, I talked about some pretty big picture stuff. Mm-hmm. And so if there are episodes that are going to help catch you up, I'll give you a list. So in this last one, I was like, I know it's a lot, but here's five episodes that you're going to get the most out of this one if you hear these first. Mm. So I will do that anytime that it's relevant. Um, I actually don't... And one of the challenges that I've had with doing this is like so for instance last year there was a bill that was in the process of going i don't read bills unless they're actually moving Mm -hmm. but it was a bill about gmo labeling so i Mm -hmm. had cara santa maria who's a friend of mine she came on the show she's a scientist and we went through this bill line by line and discussed what we thought about it and it was actually a great episode but the version that became law was drastically different so if you want to know about what actually became law you're probably going to look for the title of that episode and you're going to be completely misled. Mm. So that's another thing that I've learned in doing this is that with this particular Congress, the answers are easier for me because there is going to be stuff signed in the law. For the last two, we had Republicans in Congress and then a Democratic veto pen. So there wasn't a lot that actually made it that far. It's different this time. But if... And when we get back into that situation of divided government, I don't really know how to handle that. Mm -hmm. So there's also lessons that I've learned in the past episodes Mm -hmm. that I, with the new Congress, I get to kind of do a restart button, Mm. you know, and try and do it better and make sure that I'm not accidentally misleading people like I did with that bill Mm. by covering it too early. Mm. So um, it's still, I'm still learning. Well, and because people, even if it's after something's passed, people can listen and then they still have in the next two years, that's when they can take action on it in the well, election. bills die at the yeah. end of the Congress. So that's the other thing, too. If you hear about something that happened at the end of the 114th Congress, which was only a couple months ago, if you hear about something that happened then, there's nothing you can do about it now. It's already dead. Or it became law. So that's another thing that's good about starting here with the 115th, um, January 2017, is that everything I'm talking about now is stuff that you can take action mm-hmm. on. Anything that happened before then, it's interesting to know, especially the stuff that became law. But, I mean, you can't do anything about it at this point mm-hmm. other than be aware that it might come back. Mm-hmm. So, like, there's one bill in particular that just keeps coming back and it pisses me off every time. It's called the Save American Workers Act. And what it does is it makes it so that hourly employees have to work 40 hours instead of 30 in order to get their health insurance. <gasps> uh-huh. So they can schedule for schedule you for 39 hours, and that doesn't count as full-time, and they don't have to give you health insurance. Wow. That's saving American workers. Wow. That's a Republican bill, by the way. So That's that one keeps bullshit. coming back. That's some bullshit, right? Who introduced that bill? Do I can't remember. remember. So what, well, okay, this is what I had my fingers crossed because I remember what I was going to say. By the way, we're almost at an hour. I knew this really? would happen. Yeah, I feel like we've been talking for 10 minutes. Um, <laughs> okay, so – Campaign finance reform. Like, mm. t- that is something, honestly, I am, and I'm asking you, hopefully, you'll have a different answer since you're reading this a lot. I don't have a lot of hope for that because I feel like, on, like you were saying, on both sides, I feel like nobody's going to want to do campaign finance reform because they're all getting fucking money mm-hmm. from doing the, the way the shady shit, they're, the way they're running their campaigns. Like, do, do you think that's, that, do you think that's going to be something that's going to, I mean, maybe if we vote. And we, like you said, clean house and we hold people accountable. But in the current state, do you think that's ever going to change? I'm already seeing a change. Really? Yeah. This last election, I know there's a lot of people that are upset about Hillary Clinton's loss. But I think what a lot of people are forgetting is that she was the one with all of the money and Mm -hmm. she didn't win. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. She was a fundraising machine. She lost. That's true. And there was a lot of people, myself included, who was looking at the amount of money that she was taking from like the banks in particular mm-hmm. and just going, fuck this. So yeah. it was one of the reasons I couldn't vote for her. Mm-hmm. One of many reasons, but it was one of them. And I think you're starting to see that where we're now watching the money in a way that we weren't even two years ago. Mm-hmm. We're now looking at their open secrets and we're looking at how much secret money they're taking or we're looking at how much time they're spending fundraising and going, I don't want that you know like one of the things that people really liked about bernie sanders is he refused corporate money and he Mm -hmm. refused secret money. i I love that about bernie sanders yeah so that's really it's not that the politicians are changing it's that we are in the Mm. way that we're voting and you know i'm gonna add to that that's true in that you know i will say i did vote for hillary clinton but the main reason i voted for hillary clinton is because i and this is a defeatist attitude I really loved a lot of things that Bernie Sanders said, but I didn't believe, honestly, it's so laughable now. I just didn't think – I was so worried about Trump being president. I didn't think he would be able to beat Trump, so that's why I chose Hillary because I knew she had more money, and I knew that she had all the – and I thought mm. that's what the political system for the last – of my lifetime, 30 years, I see – it's such a good point you made because I say all the time, whoever is going to win is the person who has the money. And that totally just got blown on its door. And so knowing what I know, I probably would have voted for Bernie Sanders, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, And I don't think you're the only one having those thoughts. No, I know a lot of people that said, I like, I know a lot of people, one of my friends, Michael, he like that day he voted. I remember he like tweeted out. He's like voted for Hillary, thought of Bernie. Mm -hmm. Like I think a lot of shame. And that's, and I was one of those people too. I was kind of like, well, what, who do I choose that's going to not, like, I feel like totally just do, you know, just run, run our country into chaos. I'd rather it be the same that it was than what it, I, but and whatever, fuck it, that didn't happen. But maybe this is one of the silver linings, is that we learned that voting out of fear is not the best place. It's not the best place to vote. You know, because we're getting... We're getting Trump anyway. Yeah, we're getting So you might as well have voted for someone that you believed in. And um, I think it's going to become more of a prerequisite for our generation in particular and the younger generation. They're not having any of this shit. Mm -hmm. Um, They're going to be watching the money and picking the person that they believe in. Mm -hmm. And I think this is one of those big lessons Mm -hmm. that we learned, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, The other thing that gives me hope is the Internet. Because when you look at what campaign finance money is for – um, it's mainly for TV and radio, which we're creating. Mm-hmm. I'm a cable. I don't have cable. I haven't had it for years. Mm-hmm. The only time I see CNN and all that crap is when I'm in a hotel and I can only stand it for like 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, everything I do is on the internet. Mm-hmm. So as far as reaching people, we have this amazing tool with no access barriers. And then the other thing that does seem to work is direct mail. I mean, I can pay for stamps out of my pocket. You know, mm-hmm. so as that idea send, tends to spread, and once we get one person to do it, mm-hmm. when one person can do it without raising, and I don't, not even just small amounts of money, I want to see someone do it without taking any money at all. As soon as one person can show a path, I think it's going to open the floodgates of other people giving it a mm. try. Because that's what stops so many good people um, from running, is they think that they have to raise millions yes. and kiss rich ass. Yes. And I, I, I don't think that that's going to be necessary forever. I think that's the baby boomers game. I think we're going to reinvent the game. As long Mm. as we get involved sooner than later in this whole Trump thing, 
this might be the thing that lit that match. You know, I, I've, I've related, I've probably said this on the show before, but I've related what's happening to Trump, I think, is going to want it's what happened in California with Prop 8, is that a lot of people thought, oh, that'll never pass. Mm. Gay people can get married. It's California. It's fine. And so many of my people that cared about that issue, many straight people, didn't, they didn't talk to other people about it. They didn't engage other people about it. They, some of them didn't even think it was a big deal for them to go and vote about it. And then when it passed, and all of a sudden that they were just like, what the fuck? Mm. I didn't know this was a thing. And that was – that I really think is a pinpoint to the catalyst of what, four or five years later that now we have gay marriage for the country? Yeah. If you would have asked me that before Prop 8, I would have told you mm, – I think probably in this country, it'll be legal for me to get married in any state in the country, probably when I'm about 60. I, I said that. I actually said that. And most gay queer people my age thought that as well. Mm-hmm. Never would have thought back at the age of 36 that would happen. And that was totally a catalyst. And I, I do think that that is what, the, what Trump is going to do. And that's a beautiful lesson, too. Look how fast things can change yeah, when so people fast. want it to change. It's happening with marijuana right now, too. Yeah. So, and those are, I mean, we have huge problems, like life and death type of problems. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know you probably heard my last episode, the war stuff, mm-hmm. just really, I, I can't, I can't handle how many people we kill. Mm-hmm. So it's like, we have to, we have to deal with so many big issues, but we can, mm-hmm. you know, like once the momentum changes, we can. And, mm-hmm. um, and I love the system that the founders designed mm-hmm. for us. The problem is not the system. It's that we're not using it. And, it, mm. and I think we're about to wake up. And there's so many people looking into the midterm. I know we've already said this. But there's so many people already talking about the midterm. Mm-hmm. And it's February of 2017. You know? Yeah. Like, this is so cool. And there's, um, you know, Justice Democrats. Have you heard about this? No. So this is Jank Junger's new idea. It's him and some other dude, but I can't remember who it was. I don't know who Jank Junger is. I'm sorry. Who is that? The Young Turks. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So Jank, uh, he's a good person. That much I know. He definitely labels himself progressive, which makes me crazy. I hate labels. But his idea is to primary all the Democrats and fire them all. And so they're already collecting names and um, starting to do all these meetings because they want to show the Democratic Party that you can't just be Republican light. You have to Mm -hmm. have principles. And so the idea is to eliminate the Democratic Party by replacing it. If we only Mm -hmm. have two options, that's how he wants to do it with that party. And and if you want to only have two parties and keep that system, I think it's a great idea. Mm -hmm. I personally, I don't think we should be limited to two. I don't think so either. And we're not technically limited. It's the Democrats and Republicans. That want to keep us limited. Yeah. And have rigged the system to and well, that's, the I know DNC that's a heavy word. Was, that's a, that's, that's one a, example, such an example. But I think the worst example is the Commission on Presidential Debates. Do you know how the debates are actually structured? No. Oh, I mean, I watch the debates, but I know that, yeah. This is one of my favorite scandals. So in the <laughs> 1980s, it was... She just <laughs> crossed her legs and, and like sat into the chair like she was about to smoke a cigarette and talk about a, a hot <laughs> night of sex. I love how passionate you are about it. <laughs> well, it's just so dirty and people don't know. So I love to tell a dirty story. Um, but yeah, in the 1980s, the League of Women Voters mm-hmm. was in charge of the presidential debates. Mm-hmm. And they, they had problems, of course, but they 
they tried everything they could to be fair. Mm -hmm. So that's why when we were kids, Ross Perot was in the debate because they allowed that to happen because he was on that many ballots. Mm -hmm. So the, the literal heads of the DNC and the RNC got together and they created the Commission on Presidential Debates. And basically in 1988, they made it so that the Democrats and Republicans weren't going to to participate in the League of Women Voters debates, only the Commission on Presidential Debates. And so they basically took it over by default. And so now mm. you have this this organization, which is Democrats and Republicans, only them. They make the rules. And so the rules that they made are total bullshit. So instead mm. of like, I feel like the qualification for being on the stage should be, can you mathematically win? Did you get on enough ballots to where you can get 270 electoral votes? And if the answer is yes, your ass should be up on the stage. Mm-hmm. Well, that's one of the qualifications. But one of the other ones says that you need to be polling at 15% in these five polls that are picked by the Democrats or Republicans. And they picked media polls. Fox News was one of them. CNN was one of them. I think there was an NBC one. And some of these were partnered with newspapers. But they were media polls. Mm. And so we already know that the media is totally corrupted by these two parties and so here what we saw in 2016 is that we had four candidates on enough ballots to win the presidency we had um on every single ballot in the nation we saw gary johnson's name Mm -hmm. every one of them every one of them jill stein was on 89 Mm percent and yet they weren't allowed on the stage because of the democrats and republicans now a little bit of hope for you is there was a lawsuit about this and the commission on presidential debates just lost the lawsuit oh really Uh uh-huh what, so, which court was that in? Oh, shit. I don't know. Like a lower court? Uh, I don't know. Because I'm sure they'll try to appeal it. Oh, I'm sure it's going to be appealed. And we have four years until this. But this year, with that dynamic, there was a lot of people that paid more attention to the Commission on Presidential Debates. And having lost that lawsuit, like I think they're still going to have control, maybe. Although we do have four years. Mm-hmm. We can make that change, too, if we can get the word out enough. But um, But yeah, that's on the presidential level. Had Gary Johnson and Jill Stein been allowed to debate, that would have been a completely different ballgame. Mm-hmm. But when we were only offered these two horrendous mm-hmm. options, mm-hmm. and that's how we ended up with Trump. And that was done by the Democrats and Republicans. So that's my beef with those two parties. They're colluding on a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. They're colluding on helping the banks. They're colluding on helping the pharmaceutical industry. They're definitely colluding on war. Mm-hmm. And they're colluding on rigging the system so that it's only those two parties. Mm-hmm. You know, they use the census data to draw the the maps so that they outline the people they want voting for them. Both mm-hmm. parties do that shit. Mm-hmm. The Republicans just have control of more states. So mm-hmm. that's why they've been more effective at it. But the Democrats do it, too. Mm-hmm. Um, they just kind of and you're seeing it right now, too, in Congress, where the Republicans have been so slimy and disingenuous and unfair in their rules. And so what the Democrats are saying is like, well, the Republicans did it, so we should do it, too. We should just obstruct everything. And it's like, OK, let's yeah. race to the bottom here, people. Yeah, When I hear that, too, I'm like, that's uh, yeah. So it's, nothing's going to have change. Nothing will happen. If that, if doing yeah, that. if we just keep allowing, like it's the at, same game. It's the same yeah. game. We're just switching roles. Yeah, people who are afraid of Republicans winning are voting for Democrats, and people who are afraid of Democrats winning are voting for Republicans by default. Yeah, it's got to stop. It's got to stop. So it's got to stop. And that's part of my my mission too is to just point out how similar these parties are and where their differences actually lie. It's not that many. You definitely, like I said, and I, uh, I, uh, 
my boyfriend has a car more so, but I don't listen to as much podcast anymore because I'm not driving and that's when I listen to a lot of them. But I've been starting to do more like I miss it. But you definitely have a new subscriber with me just because yeah, like, again, I, I, you know, I do think that a lot of people, again, and I started subscribing to Pantsu Politics as well. I mean, I listened to a couple other shows, but I'm just finding that I'm actually podcasts are giving more like impartial I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, some of them are not, but I feel like that's where I can go to find because in the mainstream, I'm not finding anything that's just kind of a rational take on what's happening in our country. And I really think mm-hmm. podcasts are kind of on a, a new frontier of this. I do too. And I think a lot of that is the freedom that we have. You know, like I, I can tell you, Rachel Maddow, she used to be a podcaster. And I remember when she was hired by MSNBC for like three weeks, she didn't know if she was going to take the job because at the time she was really. She was just as concerned about the war and peace issues as I am now. And she said, if I go and work for NBC, which at the time was owned by General Electric, or was it General Electric? Whatever. It was a a major defense contractor. She was like, I'm not going to be able to cover all of the war and peace issues that I can't hear. However, my microphone is going to reach so many more ears so it's like when she went to M- msnbc she started doing more of like she was really at the forefront of exposing fracking mm-hmm. so it's like i know that the choices that she had to make she was like well i can't cover all issues i know they're going to shut me down but there's others that i can i don't have to make that judgment obviously my my microphone is not as loud as hers mm-hmm. but i do have the freedom to say whatever i think is true and that's why I think it sounds so different from what you see on the TV. There's mm-hmm. no one muzzling me. And there's no one muzzling Sarah and Beth. Mm-hmm. You know? And then I've I've taken it to an extreme by refusing advertising. I don't think that's always necessary. Like Dan Carlin says whatever he wants and he mm-hmm. takes advertising. But I do think that's a part of it too. Mm-hmm. I think when you're taking money, and it, it's often not on purpose, but you're going to watch what you say so you don't bite the hand that feeds you. You are. You are. And if you watch any of those TV stations, watch the commercials closely mm. because that's who's paying for your news. Yeah. A lot of it's drugs. I was just about to say, and how many times do you see a thing about a new drug medication? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Well, we got to wrap up some. Oh, yeah. We're already. We've been going. We could go for like two hours <laughs> on this. This is why I didn't ask any questions or anything. So tell people where they can find you. Oh, no. We have to do Chatty Maddie. I almost forgot. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> gotta do Chatty Maddie real quick. We gotta do. We'll we'll burn through them like a top five. Okay. So well, and I've cha- already thought about my answer. So it should be okay. Fun. Good. Chatty Maddie <laughs> number one. What's your most memorable childhood smell? Sunscreen. Oh yeah. Yeah, because even now when I smell sunscreen, I'm like, this is gonna be a good day. It's that's like I'm a, gonna be outside. That's a California girl for you right there. A hundred percent. Yeah, sunscreen makes me happy. Oh, I love that. Okay. Uh, Chatty Maddie number two. What would be the name of your memoir? Um. I think probably defying authority. <laughs> <laughs> I love that's a really. You need to remember that. That's a good name for a book. Yeah, because I've been doing it since I was a little kid. It started with the church when I was like six years old. Then it was oh, what were you high raised? school Catholic. Me too. Yeah, so Me I too. was the girl who asked too many questions, and so they put my desk against the wall. So I, me and religion yeah. never got along. Yeah, because Catholics did a lot of great stuff for women. Hashtag not. <laughs> yeah, I was like, what? <laughs> Her face was just like, just going to look. I don't know how to respond to this. No. Yeah. Yeah. It was like, no, yeah, I can understand. Yeah. Well, and when my mom, like, when I got, I didn't really get in trouble, but my mom's a little extreme. 
And she took me out of my public high school and she put me in Catholic high school. So Which I declared war all over. You oh, like, yeah. You were like, fuck this. Yeah. I was on disciplinary probation because I didn't want to wear socks. And I was like, you're not going to tell me to wear fucking socks. I'd rather do <laughs> detention every day. And I did. I was constantly in detention. So, yeah, defying authority. That's funny. Did you go to college? I did. Loyola Marymount. Oh, nice. What did you study? Communications. Oh, well, you're good at it. Thank you. You're good at it. <laughs> um, uh, you do have the great voice for it. I'm like, I thought she could do commercials a lot. If you don't do VO, you could. Oh, that'd be fun. I think you could. Um, I can always use the money. Yeah. Uh, number three, best piece of advice you wish you'd taken earlier? Um, to stop giving a shit about being popular. I cared mm. so much. Oh, you did? I did. Oh, I wanted wow. people to like me so badly, and you're... I shaped my personality. And that's what I love and... about you now is that you're so... I don't give a fuck. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, I'm very different than I used to be. For sure. But I was I was always nerdy in my soul. I always liked reading a lot. And I didn't want the cool kids to know that, you yeah. know. So I was like a secret reader. And um, I get yeah. it, though. You're pretty, though. Too. I feel like it's for women that are pretty. And hopefully this is getting better, I hope. But they do have to make a choice in high school. Like they can be pretty or they can be smart. But they can't be the same thing. And like pretty and popular, you know, you you dumb yourself down. You don't talk about that you read. And I see that with some of my cousins mm. and stuff. I'm like, oh, I remember when you were, you were so smart and inquisitive and that's all stopped. Yeah. Well, and I, a lot of, my high school, my second high school, I do have to say was extraordinary where the cool kids in my class were the smart kids. Mm. And so I did become popular there almost mm. by accident. I was a huge nerd in my first high school, which mm. led to me hanging out with people who were nice to me, but, you know, did drugs. Yeah. Um. <laughs> But in college is really where I saw that being detrimental because the people mm. that I considered were cool were the ones that were partying really hard and not all that intellectual. And I feel like mm-hmm. I burned a few years trying to hang out with people that like I wasn't terribly fond of, mm-hmm. but they were cool. You know, mm. it was just so dumb. I could have been paying mm. attention to this stuff a lot sooner than I was. And well, yeah. but I guess we all just end up we on the all, path we end up on. We so. do the path we end up on. Um, what are we on? Until number four. Uh, Chatty Manny number four. What day would be your Groundhog Day? So what day was like, oh, that was a good day. You could do it over and over. That would be the day after my wedding. Not the wedding day. The day after. After? Um, the wedding day was, it was my wedding day. It was stressful. Like, yeah. everyone was watching me. Um, for someone who, like, chose this as a profession, I hate having attention. Okay. So I really didn't, I, I didn't, it's not that I didn't enjoy it, but it wasn't my favorite. But the day after, we still had all our friends and family there. And we were living in Waikiki at the time. And so mm-hmm. we just picked a park and brought all of the leftover food and just hung out in the park with all of my friends in Waikiki and my family and my best friends from home. And, and it was so much fun and it was relaxing. There was no, there was no chores that we had to do. It was just my favorite people in the whole world mm. hanging out in one of the most beautiful places in the world. And I could do that every day forever. That's, great. I love that. You sorry, you transported me for a moment. Um, <laughs> okay, chatting at number five. When are you most inspired? <laughs> this is so cheesy, but I find myself inspired a lot when I listen to the Joe Rogan Experience. Oh yeah, I've never listened to that show. I know. Yeah, he was one of the catalysts for this podcast because he was talking to um, his friend Ari Shafir. And in one of their episodes, they were talking about politics and the bills. And one of them said, no one ever reads those fucking things. And I was like, oh, I could do that. So he actually kind of gave me the Mm. idea. But he talks to so many fascinating people. 
and is constantly encouraging them like you should start a podcast because anyone can podcast and we have so much power with these podcasts I say now that too and- to people. I'm like, anyone can podcast because there's always somebody that wants to listen to you. You just don't know it. Yeah. Yeah. And, I, and so it's like if I want that little injection of like what am I doing this for, mm-hmm. I find that I can go through one of Joe's catalogs and I kind of know which guests to look for. He mm-hmm. has a lot of repeats. And I'm like, they'll probably go down this road for me. But if I'm listening to that, that's when I usually go home and I'm like, okay, this is I picked a good career. Like I should keep going with this, you know, because I've had my ups should. and downs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he just always is there for a good pep talk for podcasters, and I just appreciate that. So. Okay, I'm gonna have to listen to a show. It's good. It's. It, do you like UFC fighting? No, me neither. So skip those. Okay, but the when he just talks to like um oh uh, Leah Remini. Do you know who I she is? love Leah Remini. She was a Scientologist. Yeah. And she just went on Joe Rogan's and talked to him for three hours and dished on all of it. I bet even more so than the good. documentary. I've heard that's a really good stuff with her. Yeah. I don't have cable. You so have that Leah Remini spirit. I think so too. I love her. Yeah. You totally have that spirit. Yeah. You have like, I'm going to She tell has her. a better accent though. She has that New Yorker things. Like she says, uh, balls. She's yeah. Like, balls. I need the balls. You oh, remind God, me of that. my friend. Um, I'll t- I'm going to tell her when this episode airs and say, you should listen to the show and her show. Um, cause she's very politically active. Um, I'm not going to say her last name because, uh, she didn't on the show, but her name's Susan. And she, um, she came, we did a show. Oh man. Maybe like a year ago, um, where she came on and talked about she was at raped and um, oh my god, and you know, your face is like I wasn't expecting the story. Nope. Um, but she was raped uh, here in Los Angeles and um, like on a date, like went on a date and was one of those, and then woke up and like didn't know where she was and all that. But she's again such an activist, and she's really involved right now in like the housing and Measure S and everything that's going on here in Los Angeles. But um her story of just how she wasn't supported at all by the police in Los Angeles hmm. and the culture of, again, the money and how, uh, it's just, it's more expensive for them to investigate rapes. It's more that, and then how that is being controlled to literally just let things pass through and fly through. And so she has that same spirit that you do. Wow. You would enjoy that show, that episode. So, Sorry, I brought it down. Yeah, um, well, it's actually after, a real give me hope- her last name because I don't want you to like. Yeah, it's actually a hopeful episode um, because the way she talks about it, it really motivated her. Now she's such an activist for women um, that are trying, that are in the system, that are trying to just. I mean, she what she had to do just to force them to to do a rape kit on her mm. was like because they were like, oh no, you didn't really get raped. You're, and I had so many women that texted me and like, text me or send me emails from that show like um a handful so that's a lot for me text me they're like i didn't thank you because my rape wasn't rapey enough it wasn't what i saw in a movie and therefore i just thought it wasn't a rape oh my god it's a really interesting story yeah but and i i love those stories from victims that turn the most horrible thing that's ever happened to them into it just catapulted her into activism yeah it's beautiful doing good things for other people and you can i honestly think you can make lemonade out of any situation i do too so I too. Oh, I'm feeling I terrible for her though. No, I don't, don't, because it's. I think it's activated her life in a way she never knew. Well, good. So yeah. So I don't want to. Sorry, I got gay D. All right, everybody. <laughs> so okay, tell everybody where oh, they yeah, can find hard you. Yeah, hard out. Um, I, you can find me at congressionaldish.com. That's where all the sources are. That's where all the sources are. And then um, the podcast is everywhere that podcasts are found. iTunes, Stitcher. There's... Well, not Spotify and iHeart yet. I'm Spotify. working on it, but oh. yeah, iTunes. We can do that. I didn't Stitcher. even know. Yeah, but. 
you can't have any music whatsoever. So I just had to cut the music out of mine and I have to like reapply and all this bullshit. Oh, I'm not going to do that. Yeah, it's dumb. Oh, and then there's also a free Congressional Dish app, which I recommend. It's for iPhones and Android, and the show notes go straight to your phone. So that's a really good one, too. So you can Oh, cool. You can check my bullshit right from your phone. <laughs> Make sure I'm not lying to you, you to with lie. my alternative facts. <laughs> no, you actually have facts. Yeah, uh, I look for the facty ones. Yeah, you look for the facty ones. I um, well, This was everything I wanted it to be, and it could go on for – I am sorry. I'm having to, so much fun. I know, and I'm sorry I have to go somewhere because I, I just want to be like, you want to go to a bar and have a drink? I and do. You, and you were like, yes, yeah. I do. <laughs> <laughs> you call your dad, dad, I can't drive your car back. I'm drunk and Miracle Mile. And he would go again. again. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. Okay, everybody. Congressional Dish. Jen Briney, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank uh, you. For the rest of you, write your questions in and let me know what you thought about this show, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, The Matt Mar. And um, yeah, or if you have any questions or even if you have any questions for Jen or something like that, send it to me at DearMattyShow.com. And sorry, DearMattyShow.com. And, uh, but yeah, if you have questions or whatever, and I will forward that to Jen and, and subscribe to her show. So thank you again. This was great yes i had so much fun yeah me too so and you know the drill everybody do something for someone this week and we'll see you next week bye yes preach jim Brody. preach you know what i love about this show she in a very respectful way she called me on some of my own shit and my own biases that i even in re-listening to this and editing it again i thought i I definitely, and I realized that I'm, that what she talks about as far as we're so scared to sometimes make opinions that disagree with the side that we chose. And I realized that I've done that as well. And so it's just kind of allowed me, it may, I even think I voted a little differently than some people thought I would have in this last um, March 7th election in Los Angeles that nobody fucking voted for. Only like 8% of fucking Californians voted for this, which again is so infuriating to me. Um, and what Jen talks about is like, I love that she says we have the opportunity to hire and fire these people in our government every two years. So if you truly are discussed with that, it, Sugars, it doesn't take long. It took a 30 minute kind of just Google search, kind of reading different sources for me to figure out what I believed in or what I agreed with, what I thought would be more effective, what I thought would be less effective for our government. It really didn't, it wasn't a stretch, Sugars. It was not a stretch. So I hope that in this conversation, you feel more empowered and more capable in being involved in government because I know that's what Jen Briney wants for you as well. And listen to her show, The Congressional Dish. It's cute, got a little on a platter. It's adorable. Congressionaldish.com or you can subscribe to her podcast, Congressional Dish. Again, it's great. It's great. It's great. Also, you know the drill. Go to DearMattyShow.com. Send me your questions. I still am doing advice questions. And Sugars, listen to TV Tea Time. Jake Anthony and I's new show. We're recapping some shows. It's just comedy. TVTeaTime.com is the website for that. Or on Apple, Google Play, TV Tea Time. And Sugars, leave a review. If you leave a review for this show, for that show, it's so helpful. All right. I'm going to hopefully enjoy the weather, and I hope you are too, wherever you are. I love you, and I'll see you next week. Bye.